Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Cove Heavy Break on Unsafe Space. What what day is it, Carrie? Today is what? Monday, June eighth. When did <laughs> I get better at this than you? I don't. I don't know why. I don't know. I just totally lost. Uh, it's Monday, June eighth, and you're watching Unsafe Space. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to Subscribe Star. You can go to unsafespace.com. Uh, someone mentioned to me. I think it was Beverly Clark who's usually in chat, someone mentioned to me that, um, or she's actually not usually in chat, uh, she was unsubscribed. She just noticed that YouTube had unsubscribed her, so. Uh, wow. You know, well, go figure. You know, Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought, purging, Carrie? Purging our subscribers. Got yeah. it, YouTube. Yeah. I thought we were friends. <laughs> Did you know? No. <laughs> How was your weekend, um, Carrie? Hold on. Let's just make sure our audio visual is fine because you are. Sometimes I'm um, loud. No, to me, it's you're like breaking up, but I doubt you are to everyone else. I probably just me. But Elva Kara says I'm clipping a bit. Move away from the mic. What's that mean? That means um, your input is too hot for your mic. So you need to like move away from the mic or turn your mic input down on Skype. If you go into Skype, there's probably an automatically adjust microphone setting you can click in your. Settings? Okay, cool. Try that. Cool. Hi, guys. We're just going to debug some tech issues in front of y'all because that's that's how we roll. Uh, <laughs> Beverly is in chat. Hi, Beverly. It was you that was unsubscribed, right? I think. Um, Dr. K is here. Everyone's here today. Keith the Hack Guy's here. Um, by the way, while Carrie is figuring out her uh, sound issues, um, I'm going it. to show... Wait, let me, I have to pull this up. In case you missed our cover today for our show, you might have missed our cover for the show because, you know, people don't always notice the, the cover art. I'm going to show you our cover art, and I'm going to explain why it is our cover art. Uh, okay. Let's see. So here it is, if you missed it. This picture, everyone, this dude right here, is Elvacaro <laughs> in chat, uh, our, our own local, our own cowboy. His, uh, his photo got used in a Zero Hedge, a good Zero Hedge article, actually. Um, wow. And so this was the photo, so we decided to reuse it for uh, our show because... Cool. Because. I love that mask, the Plague Doctor mask. <laughs> it's pretty great. So, it's very steampunk. It's steampunk, yeah, uh, and it goes well with weaponry. Medieval. Um, well, welcome, guys. If it's your first time here, uh, our channel is called Unsafe Space. We do a couple different series. One is called Deprogrammed. Deprogrammed is uh, used to be weekly. Now it's more, you know, whenever we have a great episode idea, and uh, we have a new video coming out this week for Deprogram. Deprograms is a show where we really delve into and dissect my old ideology, which I most often call the SJW ideology. Um, but it's like identitarian leftist. Uh, it's, it's basically like a kind of identity politics based Marxism. And anyway, this week we're releasing a new deprogrammed with uh, Yasmin Muhammad. It's going to be great. I really hope you guys all tune in to see that one. It's she talks about um, leaving her radical um, Islam faith. She talks a, a little bit about her background. And then we go into all of the ways in which 
uh, Islam and SJW ideology overlap in the ways that they're similar and then the ways that they're different, plus why it is that they make, why are they bedfellows? They're very strange bedfellows, but we kind of get into that. So that's really cool. This show that you're watching is called um, The Kafefe Break. We do this one live on Mondays and Fridays, and we just kind of hit whatever we want to talk about, whatever you guys want to talk about. So thank you for joining us. We do have one last announcement. Book Club, this month we've been reading Ordinary Men. Uh, the book club discussion is coming up uh, Sunday the 28th. So if you guys haven't started that book yet, get on it because we'd love for you to be in the either in the live video. You can be in the live video discussion or you can be in the chat, the live chat. Carrie, this is Bizarro World. Like suddenly you're all about the announcements and intros at the beginning. And I'm like, <laughs> what day is today? Yes. <laughs> Very good job, Carrie. You start Sorry. doing this. <laughs> hello knitters Another Hope, cool hopefully uh hopefully we'll get that video out tomorrow um yeah. i well we are kind of in bizarro worlds now uh I, I don't sometimes i just don't know where to start because the world is so crazy so i'm just going to start by i'm just going to show you the maybe i don't know if you've seen it yet, carrie i think this is new you might have here's the uh headline Minneapolis City Council announces veto-proof push to disband the police in the George Floyd aftermath. That's correct. We are now disbanding the police department. That's what we're doing. Welcome to 2020. So I have some questions and thoughts, and then I, I, I'm going to count on you answering them and, and really giving the meat of this. Here's my questions and thoughts. Well, first, okay. here's the thought, first of all. A few years ago, when this was still during Obama's presidency, and he held a town hall on race. I don't know if you remember this. It was on, I think it was either CNN or MSNBC. And um, there was a one of the Black Lives Matters, she calls herself a founder. I, there's a lot of disagreement and infighting in Black Lives Matter over who founded it. But anyway, one of the women who calls herself a founder was there, and she was arguing for this. She was saying, well, one of our solutions is to get rid of police. And at the time, it was like, that is so laughable. What are you talking about? You can't just like get rid of the people who are there to check, to enforce the existing law, like the people who, uh, maybe you could say reform, but to say abolish the police, they were saying abolish the police. Well, fast forward just a few years, and now this very laughable thing is happening. So that's my first thought, but then my, my second, then I have a question and then I'm gonna give you the floor. Here's my That's question. Fine. I, I love your first thought. Yes. <laughs> I don't necessarily know if it this I, my gut says this is ridiculous and it's going to descend into chaos and mayhem because I've also seen Black Lives Matter say they want to be the ones policing. Can you just imagine Antifa and BLM out there with uh, with the full ability of the, the state state endorsed ability to beat people up and to enforce their version of justice, which is just violence. Um, but 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 I do also I I. My mind is big enough that I could envision, I could envision some possible scenario where this is better. I just don't think that's very likely. I guess. And my number one, here's my question: Is this going to lead to? Is this going to lead to private police forcing? That's what I'm well. First of all, I think this is uh, the way I understand how most uh, law enforcement works. Is if the Minneapolis City Council uh dissolves their police force 
the county sheriff is responsible for policing. So, uh, like, it's not like there's no one who could step in and do the job. Um, so, like, cities have their own police forces, but um, county sheriffs typically patrol the areas that are not covered by city police. So I assume if city police went away, the county sheriff's office would beg for a larger budget <laughs> and have to go in and police. Uh, now, maybe they're trying to do away with the county sheriff as well. Uh, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, so I know someone in chat was like, so we're waiting to hear what the anarchist has to say about this, basically. I don't know. <laughs> right? It's getting rid of a government-funded agency. Okay, so look, uh, message to other voluntarists, all, all three of you or, or so that might ever watch the show. Um, <laughs> this is not a... What's happening here is not a transition to the peaceful, stateless society. That's not... This is not like a, hey, we're going we're gonna to transition to a peaceful, stateless society and... And therefore, there won't be need for police officers. No. Uh, they're transitioning to anarchy in the sense of the chaos sense of the word. Like, screw it. No cops. Um, so, uh, look, if you're, if you're a... I've, I've said this before about my voluntarism and my long-term goals. I think culture needs to precede any political action in that direction and philosophy needs to precede culture uh and we if we get to a spot where i can have a conversation about like like a serious conversation that people would take seriously about hey maybe it's time to transition to a uh, fully peaceful voluntarist society without any uh state like a stateless society that's a conversation that you can only really have i think in a society where everyone already has some sort of minarchism or like libertarianism where it's like, well, we don't really use the state for much. So I guess maybe we could replace that one little thing with a private thing. And like, it kind of slowly goes there. It's hard to say, hey, the state does everything for you now. Let's just wipe it out. Like that's not, <laughs> that's that's not a recipe for success and it won't work. So first of all, these, these people are not voluntarists who are like, we would like to abolish the police force in order to transition to a peaceful stateless society. That's not what's happening. These are thugs and chaos mongers, anarchists in, the, in that sense of the word, who just want to see craziness happen in the streets. That's what they want. And particularly, it's going to be really bad for inner cities because one of the reasons, I think, look, one of the reasons that you don't have people drive to the suburbs and do a lot of home invasions, I mean, it happens sometimes, but one of the reasons the crime stays in the inner city is uh, we live in gated communities and some of us have private security in the neighborhood that patrols and many of us are armed. So it's not a great place to go steal crap. It's better to go steal it uh, from poorer neighborhoods and uh, where, where <laughs> you know, no one's going to say anything in the first place. Uh, the only other people armed are your friends. And, because gun laws, right? Gun laws in inner cities, you can't even be armed in many inner cities if you, right. uh, even if you want to. You're, by the way, you got even quieter. I don't know what happened to you, but you got super quiet. Um, Can you hear me now? Yeah, but you're just, I don't know if everyone else agrees, but it's like Carrie just is like way quieter than she was earlier to me. I don't know why. I can turn you up. I can, I can, I can turn you up manually. Hold on. Speak now. Or forever hold your peace. That's better. I, I I cranked up the volume on you. Anyway, so yeah, I don't. I'm um. Look, if you're like a libertarian, which which I think is the a necessary waypoint 
to the destination of peaceful stateless societies, you got to go through small government. If you're a libertarian, what are the few things that give government legitimacy that people are like, well, these are the things the government should actually do? Um, courts, uh, enforce like laws like murder, you know, it's illegal to murder and steal, like some very basic common law type stuff. Uh, police are one of the only valid functions of like, of government. Like if you you put on the, the libertarian hat, Policing is one of the few valid functions of a government. So that's like one of the last things to go if you're going to transition. <laughs> like you first get rid of, I don't know, barber licenses. You don't jump to police unless you actually want chaos. I don't think these people, so in summary, I don't think these people actually, um, they're not trying to solve a problem, Carrie. I think they want chaos. And I think they want chaos because it's an election year. And I think they want things to be as crazy and out of control as possible because they desperately need to wrestle power from Trump because Go, the yeah. elites are freaking out. Um, they, they've nominated a, <laughs> I don't know, they, they've nominated like a tree stump for, <laughs> for the Democratic <laughs> nominee. And like, I don't know, I don't know what they think is going to happen. Like they, the COVID thing, they tried to blame it all on Trump and make it all of Trump's fault. And look, we, you know, I'm not a big fan of lots of stuff that Trump doesn't. I don't think he handled that perfectly. But, you know, they tried to make it like, oh, you should hate Trump because of COVID. That didn't work. Um, and now they're pulling this crap. And uh, I I imagine if I was in, uh, in living in an inner city, I would be horrified at this. I wouldn't be celebrating that uh, police aren't going to show up. And there was a clip on CNN that Dave Rubin showed this morning. Um, I, saw, I saw it through Dave Rubin. Uh, but CNN was interviewing, I forget who they were interviewing, but I think it was one of the city council members or someone behind this movement. And the the, <laughs> the anchor, even CNN had to ask the obvious question, like, well, what happens if, like, you're home and someone breaks into your house and, like, can you call the cops? Like, what, like, what do you do what if happened? there's no cops? Yeah. <laughs> What'd they say? Their answer was, uh, this is time to carry, why don't you pull out your SJW bingo card? Um, okay. <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, let me guess what yeah. did that uh, calling the cops is exercising privilege. Somebody said that in chat. Close, close. Yes, it was white privilege. It was it. Well, that's your white privilege that you think that the cops will come and make the situation better. That's because of white privilege. Everyone okay, else, but, all okay. black people, apparently, they don't call the cops when someone breaks in because the cops will just make it worse. Okay, first of all, that is a lie, and that, but that's also not an answer. Did the person ever answer the question? What do you say? What do they envision you doing if someone's breaking into your house? What's the answer? Who do you call? What do you do? So are now are now they all going to become pro Second Amendment and pro gun rights or no? Yeah, that that I would love to see, right? Um, because that's the answer to this. If you're going to outlaw the cops, uh, I mean. Someone in then chat mentioned, to... like, we should, I think it was Elvacara that was like, we should start a, a U-Haul service in Minneapolis because it would do really well right now. Yeah, or an FFL dealer. Like, start selling firearms to residents in Minneapolis. Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> you've got to protect here's, yourself here's somehow. The, see, here's the thing about um, my, my old belief system, SJW ideology, is like a house of cards that's built on a, a foundation of sand. <laughs> and so... And so you, none of, they contradict themselves internally all the time. It's not built on any type of internal consistency, um, intellectual honesty. 
uh, they are, I, and I know a lot of ideologies have um, some hypo- seemingly contradiction, contradictory tenets of belief, but this one is, it's a defining feature of this belief system is that it has contradictory tenets of belief. And so this one, if you start pulling some of those cards out, it's like, okay, we get rid of police, then what? But they're, they're opposed to guns. So then, and then, like, what naturally follows? Is it supposed to be a well-armed militia, self-defense? What? What comes next? Is it is it only rich people get to have police? Because now we're going to have private, like Carter talked about, gated communities. Wealthy rich people, people already can, have police. <laughs> yeah, but they can have they can have uh, you know private police forces. You can see more of this private the sure. the privatization of police of policing. Is that what's going to happen? Because then. That that seemingly contradicts everything they say. Therefore, right, which is which is uh, rights for some and not others, or or privileges for some and not others. It it, it doesn't make any sense. Well, there, whenever, I just have to point out, it's like yeah. this is a house of cards built on a foundation of sand. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> whenever your fundamental philosophic premises are in conflict with reality, there's no way to put that together in a way that it stands. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Like, it will fall apart. By the way, Keith sent a super chat earlier, so we should say thank you to Keith. And let me read it. Um, he says, uh, abolish government police, no problem. Replace with what locals want. Would private police businesses with liability insurance be worse? What does government have to do this? Why does government have to do this just because it does now? Right. I, I agree. I just don't think that's step one in the, like, look, do they want to actually abolish Police, like, I don't think they actually do. I, this is just, they just want chaos. And um, look, if you want to abolish, who's going to, like, stop paying taxes. You want to abolish the government, just abolish the tax collecting agencies. And if there's no one to arrest you, why pay taxes? Right. Uh, like, I, I, would, I would pay for you know what they want? private security that protects me from murder and theft, but will not come to collect taxes on the government's behalf. So <laughs> that's, the, that's the service I'm buying. Here's here's what I think they envision, and and the, from an SJW brain, let me tell you what an SJW brain thinks that they're thinking, is very childlike. You know, they have this utopia they're working towards. Whenever a, a lot of people like us were calling out the craziness, the anarchy in the bad sense of the word, the mayhem, the the violence, the um, uh, deplatforming that was going on on college campuses for the past four or five years. And what were we told by the legacy media? What were we told by mainstream Democrats? Oh, you guys, that's just a, a what is it, a tempest in a teapot. You guys, it's just a little tiny, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. It's just, it's just happening on college campuses. Why are you trying to say that this is like important? This is why it's important. You All that stuff we were talking about that, that was happening on college campuses, it's outside of the campus now. Now you're dealing with it in Minneapolis, now you're deal- now the campus is, you know, welcome to the United States, which is now become an SJW campus. This is yeah. what's happening. It, and it so really has. Yes, and so I think what they envision is you have to look at what happened on the campuses to get an idea of what they want. But because it's already played out there in a small microcosm. And so look at Evergreen. What happened? They chased the police off. They gave they gave the campus police no power whatsoever. All of the the president of the university essentially did what was the equivalent of taking a knee and bowing and kissing the ring. There's video where they're taunting him and he's trying to talk to the mob of students and they tell him to put his his hands are threatening. His hands are white supremacist hands. Put your hands in your pockets, George, they yell. 
<laughs> he he cowers like a little puppet and puts his hands down, and then they all yep. point and laugh and mock him yep. for doing what they said. He puts his hands down. He takes the liter- like the figurative knee. Um, and then what happened? A roving band of SJWs, and there are photos of these guys, a roving band of SJWs with baseball bats and, and other um, weapons started roaming the campus looking for wrong thinkers to bully and to abuse and to violently attack. They had chased the police off. What happens? What, the vi- those, of, those who share their ideology, who have the violent tendencies like Antifa, like some members of BLM, those people come out of the woodwork. And then I'm, I don't know what percentage of those want to be the ones committing violence, but I'll tell you, all of the ones who preach the ideology build and create the justification for those who do commit the violence. Well, and so they, as you've said before, yeah. there's the and they clear the way for theory, it, right? So even if, yeah. like, even if it's only a few who will initiate that violence, once it's going, um, it can be more. Well, and you see on college campuses, there's no, um, there's no presumption of innocence. There's no uh, right to a jury of your peers. There's no uh, right to have a uh, face your accuser. Um, for a lot of college camps. So like, yeah, college campuses are the model for where they want to go. Can we do a couple super chats quickly? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Blackbeard, thank you. Blackbeard says, wouldn't abolish, abolishing police be a referendum on the lefties cities that implement it and not on Trump? Well, uh, I think what they like, I mean, their general MO is, is they tend to, to create problems and then blame them on Trump. So I don't know how they, I mean, they're able to blame everything on Trump. So, uh, yeah, it, it would be, I guess, if you're, if you're rational about it. But they also tend to project. So maybe we should look at what they're saying the other side's going to do, and that's just going to be a blueprint for whatever they're going to do. Um, so, but thank you for the Super Chat Blackbeard. Also, Tax Tara, uh, my thoughts exactly, Tax Tara. She says, thank you, Tax. She says, so can I have my tax money back and buy a tank? Um, I would give it to you back to buy a tank, but uh, I don't think that's where they're going. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I uh, I agree with you, Carrie. And this is let's just talk about a few things related to this. So, uh, like related to the cultural shift of like taking this craziness from college campuses and moving it into mainstream because it has been moving into mainstream slowly. But I think uh, the way you described it last episode was great with this like it's been there but as like sleeper cells and they're like suddenly suddenly waking um let's just look at a few things that have happened uh some of the more i think some of the more outrageous ones um here's an image that is uh, i think quite disturbing that a a friend of mine sent, sent me this image what did we see over the weekend well we saw White people washing the feet of blacks and begging for forgiveness in North Carolina. This is disgusting. Yeah, absolutely disgusting. It's it's subjugating yourself before a human being, and it's for virtue points and for show, and it's religious in nature. It's like worshipful and self-flagellating, and everything about this makes my stomach turn. Yeah, it, this is pretty disgusting. Um, and uh, just... A message to the white community. Can you be any more pathetic? <laughs> How pathetic you are. You make me not like white people. <laughs> oh, 
pathetic. I mean, You're turning Carter into a collectivist. Really? I know. Come on. Uh, but here's the other here's the other thing that I wanted to share, which um, this I mean there's a few things. This one, this one is our our favorite California politician, Nancy Pelosi. Here's Nancy in all of her glory. And I'm not going to play this whole video, but this is the Congressional Democrats. Uh, they had a moment of silence that they observed for George Floyd and others. They and So actually, Amer first, she reads out a list of names. Let's just listen to part of that. Americans and so many others. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Armand Arbery, Botham Jean, Terrence Kutcher, Jordan Davis, Oscar Grant, Philando Castile, Freddie Gray, Walter Scott, Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, Eric. So I, before I even show what they did next, which is very, very disturbing, uh, I, I just want to pause and, and point something out. This is that the latest cover of Time Magazine did this too, Carrie. Um, what they do is they take, uh, they take names of black people who have died <clears throat> at yes. the hands of cops, or not even cops, like Ahmaud Aubrey was not, it wasn't a police officer that killed him. Um, but have died at the hands of, I guess, white people or, and that's not true because Trayvon Martin, Martin was killed by George Zimmerman. I don't know. Blacks right. killed by non-blacks. They put them all in a big bucket. And there's extremes, right? There's everyone in that bucket from Michael Brown, who was attacking the police officer and was shot in self-defense and the hands up, don't shoot narrative is bullcrap, right? Michael Brown to... Brianna Taylor, whom, if you don't know about Brianna Taylor, you know, I, I did an, uh, an interview with Duncan Lemp's lawyer recently, and we talked about no-knock warrants on no-knock raids. Brianna Taylor, even more yeah. tragic. Well, yeah, maybe even more tragic. I don't know. Or it's equally awful. tragic. Uh, the cops got the—it was more tragic because the cops got the wrong house. Um, they busted down the door, and her boyfriend, who was licensed to carry, thought they were being attacked like and you shot. Did. And they peppered the house with like 20. They just sprayed it. You can see the bullet. It's not even like a nice grouping. They're just bullets in the ceiling, bullets on the floor, just everywhere. They just sprayed bullets, killed her, killed her in her house. Uh, and it wasn't even the right house. But like you're saying, they're not grouping, they're not taking a group of people with um, similar circumstances right. or you have to look at what the similarity is. And the only similarity is black people who've been killed by either someone who's not black or the police. Right. It's not, there's no um, principled reason why those people would be in the same group bucket, right? Yeah. Um, I think one of the reasons they do it, though, is uh, they know, especially right now, they know that the everyone's seen the George Floyd video. It's very fresh in everyone's mind, and people are righteously outraged by it. They see that it was murder. They see that it was bad, right? Um, and people don't yes. know those names. So yes. they're going to assume that all of those names are just like that. Yes. And, <clears throat> you know, some of them are just like that or worse, like Breonna Taylor. Some of them, like Mike Brown, are not. Uh, but they're just going to assume that they're all, they're all like this. So anyway, let's, let's watch what Nancy does. Nancy leads us in a new religion, Carrie. This is the new religion. So she reads the Eric names. Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin. And by all of this, won't mind if you shout out names then. 
For those who wish to, we will now kneel for our moment of silence. Oh, gross. Here you go. Gross. They're all kneeling. I don't know what the hell scarf thing they're wearing either. I don't know um, what that is. I do. It's, yeah, it's African. Anyway, that's the video. I, they kneeled. I don't guess. I don't think we have to watch any more of them kneeling. Okay, I have I have a, a comment about this. So a, a few weeks ago, I mentioned to people I watched this um, documentary on YouTube about the French Revolution, and I didn't know a lot about the French Revolution, and it was really interesting. I highly recommend it. It's really it's a pretty well done documentary. Do you know about the history of Robespierre? Uh, I think f maybe from reading uh, some Victor Hugo, but it's it will be very foggy. So if you okay, would like so to tell me more about Robespierre. Yeah, I'm going to give you a brief four dummies overview from yeah. a dum dummy. So <laughs> I might get some things a little off. Anybody can correct me if I'm a little off in the chat. But essentially, Robespierre was one of the architects of the revolution. And the revolution went far beyond just unseating the monarchy and establishing the rights of man. Th those are things that someone like Edmund Burke could agree with. Um, but Edmund Burke, from what I understand, is like, you know, and then it went too far. So it a reached a point really. where, oh, yeah, they were killing uh, eight. They were 800 people a month were meeting. Their heads were being chopped off in the guillotine. In the, during the, there was the terror. So anyway, so the revolution happens, they unseat the monarchy, they imprison the king and queen. Eventually they cut the king's head off, cut the queen's head off. Um, but then they start eating their own, just like just like we've seen with the any type of totalitarian belief system and, and the way that human beings can become corrupted once they get power. So Robespierre, who had been behind all these rights of man, um, he started going after fellow revolutionaries and they started beheading some of those guys, which, and by the way, I'm going to spoiler alert. They end up, you, they end up taking Robespierre to the guillotine at the end too. Um, but so he then, he then suspends. Okay. So now after he's, he's basically become in charge, he suspends their uh, the rights of man, their, their uh, what, what amounts to the Constitution. So this very thing that they fought to get, he's like, oh, we're going to suspend that. And all during the revolution, he had been like all about the freedom of the press and we need freedom of the press. Then he's like, no, freedom of the press is bad. We're going to start censoring and we're going to tell you what to believe. Then he institutes the terror where they're just like chopping people's heads off left and right. Yep. And he says that we need terror. Terror must go hand in hand with virtue. Fear. Think about what that means. Fear and virtue. What are these people selling you right now? Fear and virtue. The yep. two things intertwine. Rose fear starts pushing this idea of like you need fear. You need terror in order to have virtue. Then he gets to this point where uh, they abolish. They try to abolish Christianity. They they are like, we must get rid of Christianity. Then he says, get this, you know what's coming next? He's smart enough to realize that people need something to fill the place. They need a belief in something. What does he create? He tries to create a new religion, a new faith for France. It was called the cult of the supreme being. Hmm. I'm not. He puts on this, uh, it seemed like it was like a play or something where he comes out at the end draped in robes of white. Like he's this, I don't know if he was like supposed, obviously he he's felt the part of, of the cult of the he's supreme, supreme being. being. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but they had tried to establish a new faith, a new system, a new moral hierarchy, 
a new way of, of believing and, and giving the people something to believe in so that they can derive a sense of moral uprightness and good. The problem is these new religions, these new faith faiths that people try to create and shoehorn into that empty place. Now that you've like Nietzsche said, now that you've killed God, you try to shoehorn and put these things in there. Political ideology is no substitute for Christianity. Not that this political ideology is certainly no substitute for Christianity. There's no concept of grace. There's no concept of forgiveness. Their concept of original sin is based on immutable identity markers, which which um, uh, engenders a hatred towards people on the basis of race and sex. Everything about this is evil and corrupt. But look at how look at how we've been telling you for a long time. It's like a religion, and now they're showing us what we've been saying it is. Get down on your knees and wash and kiss our feet. Worship at the God of SJW ideology. This is revolting. But hey, thank you. Thank you for putting, showing me that the, the cult of the supreme being, the, a modern day version of it. Thank you for showing me what this is. I've known, but now maybe other people will know. Well, I, <sighs> anyway, <that's, laughs> but, I guess that's a, I guess that's a silver lining, which is it's pretty obvious that this is a crazy religion um, that's taken over. I mean, did you see the cop in? Let me look where Webster. I don't know where Webster is. He <laughs> Webster, Pennsylvania. He laid down, here, I'll just show it. He laid down on the ground with his hands behind his back, right? As if he were in custody, basically in the position that George Floyd was in. And the crowd, the crowd loved it at first. And then they were like, they, uh, then they yelled, it's enough, but it's not enough. It's a good start, but it's not enough. It's not enough. Someone kill him. You need to Someone choke yourself, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't think I don't think they want actually someone to kill him. I think they want uh, they want they want him to kill himself. They want you to. I think they want him. Harry to, Carey. I think they want him to allow himself to be killed by someone. Maybe. Like Maybe. that would be the ultimate for them is a sacrifice. Like you go there and yes. willingly put your neck out on the guillotine. Like here, I offer myself. You know to what? There are some crazies in the world, Carrie. I mark my words. We will read about a story like that in the next couple of years. Oh, totally. There's going to be the some guy? white person who oh, sacrifices themselves. Absolutely. It'll yeah. happen. Remember the cannibal who put out an ad, uh, the yes. German cannibal and somebody answered it. And he was like, I want somebody to let me kill and eat them. And this guy was like, okay. in, Right. Yeah. <laughs> that will totally happen. People are sick. People are sick. Yeah. So I <laughs> yeah, I think it'll happen and uh <sighs> this I I really believe this defunding the police thing isn't genuine though. Because really? these people, these same people protesting aren't small government people. These aren't small government people that are like I want to defund the police and replace them with private you know, security forces that I could think do that I think would do a more efficient and peaceful job. That's not these are people that want Marxism, uh, saying to defund the police. And can you your can you can we can we mention your your I don't know if she's your actual friend or just your Facebook friend. Uh um Okay, before you do, can yeah. you show that picture I just put up? This is just a callback to what Which we one? Um, I just sent it to you on Signal. Oh, okay. So these are the students. These are the the um, 
the uh, Marxist thugs who took over Evergreen and started policing uh, after they had run the, the police off and uh, cowed and, and humiliated all of the adults. Um, and now, it is a laughable picture. I know you guys are going to laugh. It's pretty funny. It is pretty funny, but they were very proud of the fact that they were committing violence and that they were running around with baseball bats. And this photo makes me laugh because it's like, they're like, we're hard. Look how hard we are. It looks like a bad <laughs> album cover. Right. It looks like a bad musical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this was, there were groups of students like this proudly posing for photos with their weapons. Like, we're going to clean up the college of any wrong thinkers. Like, this does, is what they that, want. Does that woman have a field hockey stick? Is that what that is? I'm not sure if it's a pipe or what. Yeah. 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 Well, these are the evergreen SJWs. Um, would you like this to be your police force, people? Yeah. This, uh-huh. this, is, this is where we're going. Yeah. Who are you going to call? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, what's the, oh, you're going to call, um, what were they? Snowflake and Safe Space. Snowflake and Safe Space. <laughs> Snowflake and Safe Space. For those of you who missed, that's a reference to Marvel's new, uh, they have new comics out uh, that are woke comics. And there's a, See, there's what's going to happen superhero is... Superhero duo named Snowflake and Safe Space. What's going to happen is, you're going to get... Show this picture one more time. What is it? <laughs> you, want it you want it that bad? All right, right here. <laughs> no, I know it's funny, but here's what's going to happen. In, if this plays out, uh, in one potential scenario is what I, what I see. If you guys haven't read, um, there's a book called Days of Rage. I haven't read the book Days of Rage yet. It is on my list, but there's a great blog entry called Status 451 where they, they he breaks down the book Days of Days of Rage. And he talks about, um, this, this was basically, he made a lot of predictions that have already come true. But one of the things he talks about is what's one of the worst things you can imagine in terms of, um, in terms of some type of physical civil war, even if we don't call it that happening in the US. And he talks about how a lot of times when violent violence committed by the left, by the extreme left, has been more uh, group-based. And whereas on the right, you'll get a lot of um, like, like a lone, snipe- lone like Timothy lone, McVeigh or whatever. Right, like Timothy, like lone gunman type of things. But he he envisioned a scenario where you would start to see violence at the inauguration of Trump, which we did see, that you would see a ramping up of the normalization and justification for violence over the next four years, which we've absolutely seen. We are in a, a, a really important phase of that right now where the media, the mainstream Democratic Party, everyone is is a, is justifying this. They're they're providing the flawed ideological framework for why this is all okay. So this is ramping up this idea that it's normal to go out and commit violence. So I, I think one possible outcome could be that you start to see um, if they if they get abolished the police, you start to see these roving gangs of SJWs uh, high on their own power, um, Antifa types, you know, running around mobbing people, beating people, committing vigilante justice, acts of vigilante, what they call justice, but, you know, oppressing people and and, and violently assaulting them. And then the right is going to have enough. And the right has guns. And the right doesn't look like this. And what I fear happening 
is the left, you know, the, the Newton's, is it Newton's third law? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. And what I fear happening is these mobs on the left pushing to such a degree that the right is like enough. And that what you see on the right becomes more like what you see on the left, but with much greater firepower and better training. And, um, and then I, I, I really, that's, that's a dark place to be in, but that's one possible outcome of what, that's one possible thing that I see happening. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I have a, I have a friend who, um, I won't out, uh, but she was basically saying to me, um, like she hates all this, all this crap. And she, she was saying, uh, look, they're trying to push us into this alternate, like they're trying to make us choose between radical Marxism and like a little bit of fascism and I'll choose fascism. (laughs) She was like very blatant about it. She's like, I'll choose a little fascism. I don't want to die. He's like, I'll just obey the rules and like have a strong government and like I won't like it, but at least there won't be like roving chaos. Like if those are yeah. my choices, um, yeah. I don't want either, obviously. And, and she didn't I don't want either, either. either. But but if forced to choose, people will, they are trying to force a conflict. Yeah. And my fear is that um, they will get past the point of 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 those on the right tolerating it tolerating this do you know what i mean yeah and 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 the the blog i was talking about status 451 that that broke down the book days of rage he was saying at some point you will see the violence on the right change so that it's not just lone wolves anymore that they will start to fight back on mass and we've already seen a prototype of that it already started to happen and it, some of the um, the Antifa violence that was happening in in, in places like the Bay Area and in, in Portland, um, um, you started to see um, uh, people on the right going to have peaceful protests, actual peaceful protests, like the Patri- Patriots Prayer Group, which is founded by three men of color, right? Um, two two men of color. Um, that group was called white supremacists in the media. It was called white supremacist by people like Nancy Pelosi. What are you doing when you call a group that was founded by men of color white supremacist group? Why, when you're actively lying to people about what it is, and you're just what you're doing is justifying thugs, you're justifying Antifa, you're laying the groundwork for them to go out and try and beat the crap out of these people because they're you've said they're Nazis, you've said they're white supremacists. Well, I mean, talk about a dog whistle. So, That's how you command the troops of Antifa. Yes. You just identify them. Those are the white supremacists. Those are the white oh, supremacists. Okay, go get now, them. I'm okay with you. Go getting them. So yep. the Patriot Prayer Rally, they started getting attacked by Antifa when they would have these protests and these rallies and prayer rallies. And then what happened? We've already seen a prototype for what could happen from the right. The right started showing up with weapons. Yep. That's when we got based. I don't know if you guys remember. Look him up base if you don't. Base Stickman. Yeah. The right started coming with making wooden shields and swords. So we've already seen like a small microcosm of how that could evolve. But it's like you've got by. So just look at that example, right? In in Portland and the Bay Area, you've got these mobbed this mob 
of, yes, laughable looking SJWs and Antifa members carrying weapons, beating people up, beating people over the head with bike locks, sending people to the hospital, terrorizing communities, and the police doing nothing. The police has now been removed from the equation. You've got um, politicians, local politicians on board with it, co-signing it, get, laying the ideological groundwork for this to happen and saying this is okay. And then you've got a, a, you've got the right finally saying enough and showing up with their own weapons. And then what happened? Violent clashes, violent. That's those were some well, of the this most plays right into that. like, oh, look, there's a bunch of white supremacists. We need to get rid of Trump. He's enabled yeah. blah, blah, white supremacy, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it fits the narrative. Um, and, you know, one, one thing is if a lot of these police forces, almost all of these police forces that that we're talking about are, are city police forces and the city police tend to be more leftist generally like they tend to be more sympathetic with your cause in general than like the county police like the sheriff (laughs) right um because the county represents a demographic that goes beyond the city borders and um so you know what you're going to get this replaced with the, the someone's going to step in to corral bad guys and stop mm-hmm. bad behavior and they're likely going to be much less sympathetic than the current police um so you're not doing yourself a favor even if you believe this is a good idea by the way arwen avalon in chat says i have a feeling that some of them in that picture get misgendered uh <laughs> yes i have that same feeling do you think do you think um we have to do a super chat and then let's talk we about have a couple super chats to do yeah, yeah. Um, and then let's talk about uh, my Facebook friend, Bevelyn. Yeah, okay. So, f- all right. I think we have... I don't think I did Kent. Kent, uh, Anufertruck, says, uh, Trayvon is what happens when citizens patrol. Uh, exactly. So it's... Uh, what, yeah. The other one that just happened before Floyd that made became a media sensation. What's his name? Ahmad Aubrey. Ahmed. Oh, yeah. So Ahmed. that guy... Yeah, Ahmed. Like that. Uh, yeah. That guy... That was basically vigilante, quote unquote, justice. And now they're saying that's what we want. Yeah, I didn't, you know what, I don't know the details of that one too much, so I don't want to speak on it. But um, my understanding was that they were trying to arrest him. Uh, I've heard two sides of the story. I've heard that they were trying to arrest him. He clearly runs at the gun, which makes no sense. But then I heard that the reason that he did was because they had previously hit him with the car and like, we're corralling him, so he felt he had to fight. I don't really know the details, but yeah, you but get either that kind way, of messy the, stuff when you had. But either way, the point was, yeah, that's yeah. not cops. Right. Those are citizens deciding they're going to do vigilante, which is now what I guess BLM and Antifa want. Yep. Um, Tax Tara, thank you, Tax Tara. She says, "I dare them to come out to the Ozarks." Uh, <laughs> let's see how fast they soil their pants. Be careful what you wish for. That's all I have to say. Yeah, don't I don't want them, them to. Text I don't want them to come anywhere near me. But uh, you know. Let's see. Hold on. We got another one. Um, oh, my mouse died. Huh. Well, without my mouse, I can't put super chats up. I'm gonna read them and put them up later. Uh, and while Carrie is talking, I'm gonna go find batteries for my mouse because apparently it died. Okay. Uh, but Ninja Kitty says the girl in purple was inspiration for Marvel. Um, yeah, <laughs> totally. And Denise Rickenbach says, 
I just got here, and I don't know if you've talked about it yet, but here in, uh, I think, Minneapolis, the mayor left a gathering recently to the crowd chanting, shame, shame. It's getting crazy up here. Uh, I No, we didn't talk about that, and I didn't know that. Uh, thank you for the super chat, Denise. Um, it is. We've, uh, if you were late, we did talk about some of the crazy uh, things that they're requiring of people, but we didn't talk about that particular one. We did talk about, yeah, the Minneapolis, uh, the... Uh, uh, saying they're going to abolish police. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the mayor, the mayor, what, what, uh, what movie does, or not movie, what, what piece of popular culture does that make you guys think of recently? The shame, shame thing? Yeah. Carter won't know. Probably. I don't think he watched it. Carter Game of Thrones. Carter doesn't know pop culture. He's going to go yeah. replace the batteries in his uh, mouse. Pad. He's going to go replace it. Do you guys remember the scene where Queen Cersei is being forced to walk through the streets naked and they're, throwing vegetables, rotten vegetables at her and saying, shame, shame, which by the way, you know, like all good art, it's based somewhat on truth. They, they, I'm sure they cobbled together lots of different, um, lots of different historical, uh, stories influenced that. It, it made me think of in the French documentary, I watched, um, the French revolution documentary. It made me think of when they put Marie Antoinette in the, the prisoner's cart and drove her through town to be beheaded. Um, yeah. Game of Thrones. It's it's very religious in nature. Um, so we're, Car while Carter's getting batteries, the next thing we wanted to talk about, and some of you guys sent us this video. Um, if you guys aren't already following her on Facebook, you might want to check her out. She is Christian. A lot of her message is based from a Christian standpoint, point of view. But like you guys know me, you know I don't believe you have to be a Christian to follow someone who is or to find their point of view interesting or to, to get things uh to find parts of it that resonate with you. And so anyway, her name Even is I Bevelyn. Liked her, her. Even Carter liked yeah. it. Yeah. Her name is Bevelyn Beatty. And she's a black woman who, I don't know if you're going to show part of the video, who I is. I wasn't really going to show her video. I mean, I, yeah. I could, but I wasn't going to. She's really calling out a lot of the stuff we talk about on this show, which is um, how condescending it is to. Well, first of all, first of all, she addresses white conservatives first. That's the part and I she, like most because we yeah. often hear how white liberals are condescending and how they're racist. And we, you and I talk about that a lot. But I really yeah. liked her message to conservatives. Yeah. So she basically calls white conservatives out for being afraid to speak what they believe to be truth if, if, they're, if it's to a black person or if they're afraid of what they will be called for saying it. And that really resonated with me because I've come up against this a lot where um, people say, oh, you shouldn't say X, Y, Z, or you're going to get called a racist for saying X, Y, Z. And I'm like, but I mean, I, I'm going to get called that anyway, because that's what they call anyone who doesn't agree with SJW ideology. They slap that lie on there and try to hurt you with that lie. Um, but I, I, I refused to um, be, treat people differently on the basis of race or sex. Imagine that. And so what that necessitates is me, um, okay, for example, let's talk about the, the protest I was at recently and the two women who tried to um, instigate a, a mob against me in a local Facebook group that they blocked me from so I couldn't reply. Okay, so one of, their, one of the lies they repeated was that it was a microaggression, that's one of their buzzwords, for me, for a white woman, for me, to disagree with 
the black SJW, the black Wait, woman. Wait, they said that? I thought microaggression was like passe. People didn't really still. No, say. they still use microaggression, but microaggression is BS. And I've, and, and they use microaggression in some of the SJW groups I'm in. I've, I've told you about this before, but I see white SJWs who are preventing themselves from meeting and connecting with black people because they've been told that all these different lists of things that you didn't know were actually racist or microaggression. And so I, I think I told you about the white woman who was like, oh, this black woman just moved to my neighborhood, but I don't know how to get to know her. I, I was going to ask her where she's from, but then I, I remembered that's a microaggression and that's racist. I'm like, no, you know what's racist? You know what's racist is is censoring yourself and not asking her the same question that you would ask a white person because your backwards ideology has convinced you that you're supposed to treat people differently because of the color of their skin. That's stupid. If she were white, you wouldn't have a problem asking that question and you might get to know her faster than you're going to get to know her now because you've been told to view her differently like an other. Speaking of othering, which is a word you guys use all the time, you've been told to treat her like an other. Okay, so so back to that protest just quickly. I saw a white woman carrying the silence as violent sign. I also said something to her. She remained violent. And that's a joke. She was silent. <laughs> uh, she was silent. Um, I said something to the black woman wearing it. She actually engaged with me, even though it was mostly to yell. I am not going to treat the black woman any differently than I treat the white woman. And if I'm in an argument or discussion with you, I don't care who you are. I respect you as my equal. I respect you to be able to, until you prove otherwise by behaving in a way that's um, not very becoming, I'm going to extend good, good faith and I'm going to treat you the same. I'm not going to be like, Oh, that's a black person. I, I can't, I can't say I can't disagree with them. They don't have the fortitude to hear a disagreement. They don't have the, it's right. too much She's emotional too labor. To She's too fragile. No, yeah. that is condescending. That is racist. And men do it to women too. And the, they teach men to do this in the SJW ideology. They teach men not to disagree with women. That's ridiculous. I don't want to be condescended to in that way. I am your equal. Yep. You, I, saw, you, I actually, I noticed that a lot in Silicon Valley in the past 10 years. I think that, that predates some of the, be condescending to women predates being condescending to to blacks i think from what i've seen there was like yeah there was a first this movement for like don't upset the lady yeah and if you believe that people are equal you know what you your behavior shows what you actually believe and if you are out here um teaching people to treat people differently on the basis of race or sex and if you yourself are doing that in your behavior if you are um showing women or showing black people um a lack of respect by treating them as if there's some child not capable of hearing a differing opinion or not capable of um, of having an argument with you or backing up their opinions with argumentation, then you're part of the problem. And I'm sorry to tell you because I know this ideology that you've invested so much into, I invested 20 years into it, okay? I understand you've been told, oh, it's anti-racist, it's anti-sexist. It is not. Look at what it tells you to do. It tells you to judge people on the basis of race and sex. And it tells you to treat them differently and to speak to them differently. And it gives you a whole bunch of ever-changing rules and list of rules of things that are microaggressions and you secretly didn't know you can't say. And that's BS. Throw all of that out the window. 
get back to individualism, get back to treating people as individuals, get back to what Martin Luther King talked about, which is judging people on the content of their character, on their beliefs, on their actions, not on the color of their skin, not on their sex. It's condescending. It's sexist and racist towards everyone in that equation. You're, you're treating white people differently and you're treating black people differently. You are, you, at least you're an equal opportunity racist. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, no, I was, it was a, she, it was a good message. Um, I suggest people watch it. Maybe we'll put a link. Uh, actually Ninja Kitty, remind me to put a link in. We'll, we'll tell me what else you thought about because one of the things that you're an atheist and I was I um well, she, I, I like she appealed obviously to the to Christian values and um Christian morality so uh I mean that part didn't have the impact on me that it would if I was a Christian but uh you know I mean I, I what I liked about her was she didn't just call out white liberals she did do that um uh, she used the word liberals. I think we would on the show probably say uh, leftists, not, not necessarily liberal. But uh, a lot of a lot of conservatives use liberals in the way that I use the word leftist. Yeah. Right. But she so she called out white liberals. Um, but she, like I said, she called out white conservatives. She also conservatives. She also called out. And by the way, her her appeal to white conservatives was, uh, I thought, very convincing because she talked about like what it's like for her. To have white people say, "Can I say this something?" Like it's this, it's this constant like perceiving you as fragile. I mean, have you ever been in a relationship, Carrie, where someone is like every two seconds are like, "Are you okay? Are you okay? Is everything all right? Are you okay? Yes. Is everything all right?" <laughs> you just want to shoot them. Like eventually, nothing's okay because you're like you've annoyed the fuck out of me. Um, no, I'm swearing. Sorry, uh, but. Um, yeah, so like I can imagine that being annoying if you're if you're black and every white person around you is like, can I say a fact? Will it offend you if I say a fact? I have an opinion. Can can you hear it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> are you capable of hearing my opinion? Will I hurt you? Uh, yeah. That's got to be annoying. Um, but she also called out blacks on the left. She called Snoop Dogg a house slave. <laughs> um, she. She basically said, look, you blacks on the left, uh, you just want uh, you just want master's approval and you want to live in master's house. Like master says, you ain't black if you don't vote Democrat. So you better go vote Democrat. Um, you know, she was very uh, she did not she did not hold back to criticize uh, blacks who have been caught up in this as well. So I think I thought it was good. I mean. Yeah, she and appealed I, to Christianity, but that's, and you know. You know what I liked about it is um, I'm so used to now Christians kowtowing to my old beliefs and becoming subservient to the culture and being afraid of saying anything against where the culture is at, which in my limited understanding of the gospel but I think I'm pretty, I think I'm correct on this, is the exact opposite of what the gospel teaches. If you're a Christian, like you said, Carter, if you are a Christian, take your beliefs seriously. It doesn't tell you to bend to the culture. And so I'm so used to seeing Christians bending to the culture and being afraid of offending that I really like this is like very unapologetic Christian. Yeah, no, I, I think if you're going to yeah. be a Christian, she's more the way to be a Christian. I mean, uh, I... The um, 
the way to have to, the way to let Islam take over Christianity, Christians. I'll just say that's as an atheist on the sideline. You want Islam to win? Uh, don't stick to your principles and try and compromise on everything, uh, because that's not appealing to people. You don't win new people over by showing that you're wishy-washy and you your principles don't actually mean what you say they they mean, and like you violate your own. Uh, belief system and you don't have integrity none of that none of that is attractive to people um it's it's a lack of integrity and integrity sells uh people would rather find a belief system with integrity now obviously i'm an atheist i think you can have atheists you can have integrity as an atheist and you should but um i there's a lot of i christianity in the u.s is uh pretty milquetoast it's pretty lame I mostly, it's just like, I go to church and pretend I'm a Christian, but like, I don't do anything different than anyone else. I don't, yeah. I don't they, my beliefs don't have an effect on my day-to-day life. Uh, and if that's the case, I don't know why the hell you're a Christian in the first place. Pascal's wager, just cause you're afraid. Like that's a bad reason. Um, if you're, if you're going to believe something, believe it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, this is a, this is a case where I think Islam has you beat, uh, by and large, most Muslims are more devout uh, yeah. than, than Christians. There's a lot of Jack Mormons, so to speak. There are a lot of, a lot of Jack Christians that are just like, you know, I'm Christian on Easter and Christmas. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, even my um, the church that I was going to for quite a while in Austin, uh, I've been going to a new one now uh, here that I like a lot. Um, but the one I really liked a lot in Austin has a women's group on Facebook. And somebody just shared, it was like a guy, it was a, how to talk to your children about social justice and racial injustice. And it was, yes, and it was, I was going to send this to you and I forgot. And you click on the link and it's a disgusting list of every single, it's all opinion pieces and articles and SJW primers for children. I was revolted. And everyone in the group's like, yay. Yeah. Can I, (laughs) yeah, I, I. Can I address something that uh, I I really couldn't articulate until Maria Tuscan just said it in chat? Yeah. (laughs) Um, She said, it's actually getting pretty difficult for me to want to fight the culture war anymore. I'm getting bored with it, even though I know I can't afford to. I struggle with that as well, Maria. I'll be honest. And like, this is the show was half of what we're about as the culture war and philosophy. Like it is, um, it's difficult to fight it every day because it, it's, the left is boring. Uh, they're predictable. They're just they're just whiny racists that like smash things when they can. They're they're predictable. They're boring. They have nothing to contribute to a discussion. It's the same crap. Microaggression, racism, white privilege. It's it's all stupid. It's just dumb, uh, and it's hard to stay engaged with that. Uh, I would say, um, you know, you can fight the culture war without arguing about the culture war. You can fight the culture war by building communities of people that you do like that are interesting and spending time and energy there. And you don't have to spend time and energy reading about how Minneapolis is dismantling its police department. Like, yes, you know what? okay, let them dismantle their police department. If you're there, move. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, Here's my advice on that. I get bored with it too, believe it or not. Although it is part of my calling, I believe, is to speak out against my old ideology, which makes me a part of Carter's culture war. Um, it's, my, but it's my culture war. It's <laughs> Carter's <laughs> no, just, culture war. 
<laughs> I just mean this is the part that we this is why Carter and I have very similar philosophies and end goals and um, beliefs about what culture war it is that we're all fighting and to use one of their words that I hate we are natural allies even though we have differences of opinion about some pretty fundamental god. things about god or re- religion or faith but we have but but we uh, that, that i love finding um common people who have common purpose and a common understanding of what is currently unfolding in the world um those people and i i can we can set aside our di- our differences because we have a common purpose and so anyway so i'm a, so i'm a part of this culture war with carter um and but I get tired of it too, believe it or not. And and I actually part of part of what I believe is now this might sound a little hippy dippy or Christian or woo woo or whatever, but I think part of fighting it is um is is you don't always have to be on the opposition. You can be ad- advancing things in your life. I think I think there's a role for everyone and there's a need for people like Carter and I to speak about what's happening and to, and to be on the opposition a lot of the time. But when I'm not on camera, I'm going to the lake. I'm uh, falling in love. I am making plans for a future. I am growing plants. I am, you know, I want to ra- raise chickens eventually. Carter does too. <laughs> hey, I, I spent the weekend clearing out a spot to build the chicken coop in the back. Yes. Yeah. I am building things or trying to build things and I am trying to create. And if all you're doing is focused on the negative, the danger is that you can become no different from them. You have to have a reason for living that is about creation and what you're building. Your reason and your purpose can't solely be what you're opposed to. That's what, that's one of the problems with their belief system. It's all about what they oppose um, or what they think they oppose um, you have to be creating, so you have to balance that, and you should never feel guilty about taking time off from social media, from uh, keeping up with with what's going on in the world, from our podcast, even from from. I know <laughs> Carter's like, no, you must Hold keep on. up with our I, podcast. I, I, yeah, it's <laughs> mute, Carrie, mute, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> you have. <laughs> you, you have you should never feel guilty about taking time off from that because um, you, you have to, just like going to the gym, you have to take time off so your muscles can grow stronger and repair. You're tearing your muscles when you're building, when you're building muscle and you're working and you're lifting weights and you have that downtime is just as important for repairing and building muscle strength as is the time you're spending lifting the weights. You've got to take time off and create and focus on the really important things in life in order to come back to the culture war, to come back to this fight and to speak about what you oppose. And then you'll speak you'll speak about it from a place that's even more grounded because you know what you're fighting for. Because you've you're you have things that you're creating and you're working on and a vision of what you want in life and what you want for other people that you're fighting for and it's not just about what you're opposing. Okay. No, that's I it. think that's very well put. I I'm sorry, and, Alan, I run you off. <laughs> no, no, it, it's it's okay. very well put. And um, the left, one of the things that's frustrating here is um, people who are psychologically more. I I truly believe this. People who are psychologically more stable um, and happier and grounded, they're not 
the social justice crap doesn't appeal to them. Like this doesn't appeal to them. Uh, so yeah. it, it appeals to people who have uh, a lot of pent up resentment, anger, self-hatred, rage. Uh, they've got issues that they have that are unresolved. Um, it explicitly tells them to not bother working on their issues. Instead, wear them as badges and like continue in your dysfunction. And so dysfunctional people can continue in negative emotions for quite some time with a lot of energy because it's like they're just re-injuring themselves constantly and they're like they're never to a place of happiness, but they've got a lot of energy. And um, that can be that can be draining to fight against because it's like, you know, if, if you're stable, you're just like, why, why is this continuing like this? Okay, <laughs> I need a breather. I need a breather. I need a breather to go, you know, the, the reason, <sighs> it's hard for me sometimes to remember, like, sometimes when you say we're fighting against this stuff because this stuff represents authoritarianism and tyranny and, and we don't want that. Well, there's a reason we don't want that. Um, and I believe this is a fundamental difference between the left and uh, the non-left as well. I view people as an asset. People are people are valuable. They they go in the asset column of the world's possessions, not the not the liability column of the world's possessions. And what I mean by that is, if you look at the left. People are something that's destroying the planet, causing problems. We need to control the population and we need to control what they do and say and how they think. And we're, you know, can't let them do this. They're going to hurt each other that way. They view people as this big problem to be solved. And uh, one of the beautiful things about leaving people alone and one of the beautiful things about a free society and people voluntarily interacting with one another is they invent beautiful things. They do amazing yeah. things. They invent beautiful things. They have kids. They have love. They have uh, technology that they invent. They move humankind's uh, progress forward. They do amazing things. We are we are under the burden of bad beliefs and an oppressive government right now. We're we're being burdened. The reason we want to shrug and and get rid of that burden is because there's so much that humans can do if we cooperate together voluntarily yeah. um all those cool sci-fi fantasy things that you think are never possible well they thought they were not possible 200 years ago and where we are today is is resp is because of humans it's not because of it's not because social justice warriors implemented quotas for things or treated people differently or did like the reason we have cell phones and the internet and all this cool stuff is and satellites in space that allow us to you know make phone calls around the world the reason we have this is because voluntarily humans interacted with one another and invented things to make life better like this is something that people did without coercion without force um and that's the way that's what we're building Right. And so my goal is not to have a little compound with like minded people like that's like a lifeboat. Right. If you're a Christian, think of that, that like that's Noah's Ark. Fine. That's to weather the storm. The exciting part is once the disease is eradicated. And, and I mean that. Yes, I'm, I'm not comparing people to a disease. I'm comparing the ideology. Once right. that deadly meme has been defeated, uh, the, the the potential for humankind is unfathomable there's nothing that we can't do eventually 
And I, I know I know a lot of Christians will be like, stop with the Tower of Babel crap. But like, there, there's look, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential in humans, <laughs> for humans, um, and that's how guys, we unlock it. You guys know you know how I have a little SJW still in my head. Carter has a little Christian in his. I head. do. I have a Christian in my head going Tower of Babel. Humans can't do everything. Stop being arrogant. <laughs> Strike you down. Um, <laughs> by the way, oh wait, I we, wait. We have a couple super chats, and then uh, and then I have a kind of weird thing to share. Uh, okay, I don't want to miss these super chats. Thank you, Jody. Jody says those are African fabric stoles. Stoles are worn by priests and pastors to signify being ordained by a holy person. So she's referring to uh, what the Democrats, uh, the congressional Democrats, were wearing when they were taking a knee. Uh, I don't. What is Africa? Africa is a continent. What's an Africa fabric? What does that mean? Is it represent? Is like? Is it like? Is there a? Is there a thing that that is that's specific? Um, just curious. So so they're all. Does this make them all? Like, <laughs> are the Democrats the altar boys for some <laughs> religion <laughs> that we need? I guess for social justice now. Is that I don't, maybe that's what that is? Um, um, well, I think it. I think that one is. Uh, I think it's kente cloth. You know what kente cloth is? No. It, it's it's gone. It's from Ghana. Um, but it, it my can I tell? I'll tell you a really funny, quick, quick story. Sure, yeah. Uh, back when I was in SJW, I worked for um, this white lady who was a super SJW before, way before I left the ideology. She and I agreed on beliefs. Except she's like a lot of the white SJWC in power now, like like Nancy Pelosi. She primarily was just an opportunist, and she used the belief system to gain power and to get what she wanted and to push her. She managed comedians and to push okay. her comedians, okay? And so um, we <laughs> every year at Christmas, she would invite the comics that we represented and the people that worked for her to her house for a Christmas party. And there was one year where – she got so into virtue signaling. She's the woman I told you about before who was on the elevator with me and uh, an Asian comedian she repped and a black guy. And after, and, and afterwards she said, I, she said, you know, I'm one of you. I, w I wish that I oh, wasn't that white. <laughs> yeah. Like super I'm creepy, one of you. super creepy white guilt. Right. And so at Christmas time, she invited Human? us over. And so the, among the guests, it, it, we represented, it was Asian comedian and a black, this uh, black comedian, black gay comedian. And we, sh and she, uh, when people showed up, she was wearing, imagine this white lady with gray hair, all wrapped in kente cloth with like a big head wrap. <laughs> and it turns out it's a Kwanzaa party. Nobody who came celebrates Kwanzaa. It's just an assumption on her part. Again, talk about condescension. She's like, oh, the black person will appreciate this. I'm you doing celebrate a Kwanzaa. <laughs> I'm doing a Kwanzaa party. And she had like looked up all these Kwanzaa games. I mean, like, like how embarrassing. Anyway, but that's what Nancy Pelosi's wearing. That's Kente cloth. Go, Nancy. Okay. Uh, they're all wearing it. So there was a supplier. Um by the way, another one from Jody Young. Thank you again, Jody. She says they can't stop making people cower, otherwise they would have to change and stop being victims. Yeah, well, I mean, they obviously they're relying on uh they want a dependent relationship between the leader class and the citizenry, right? The riffraff. All <laughs> right. So, you know, Nancy Pelosi kind of almost embodies what you like she's like my embodiment of a visually of an elitist right? Uh, she lives in an elite section in, in San Francisco, very nice house. Um, and, uh, 
yeah, the the way that you know, I I imagine her like the riffraff will wear this to signify that we're we're in so, yeah. the riffraff will be convinced with my special stole. No. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take a knee. I'll take a knee. She doesn't care. Um. All right, hold on. I think there's another. I think there was one more super chat. I don't want to miss it because uh, I want I want to reward super chats everyone, which we are very grateful for. Uh, Marie Marie Busky from Down Under uh, says for Carter's Culture War War Chest. <laughs> Thank you, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Marie. Uh, I, Carter needs to have a philosophy war as well. Oh oh, so okay. Th- I have to tell my story now. Okay. Strap in, kids. It's going to be... Grandpa's going to tell you a story. I'm going to get all situated. I hate modern art. I have always hated modern art. Jackson (laughs) Pollock is a piece of crap. He squatted over his canvases, and little bits of sandwiches and cigarette butts can be found, because he's, like, eating and farting paint on the canvas. It sucks. There's no talent. It doesn't mean that the artists maybe didn't have talent and they could have used it doing something, but what they created was absolute crap. Worthless. Worthless crap. And the only reason anyone likes a lot of modern art, I've always thought, is because they're second-handed. They look around and like, oh, it's sophisticated to say, I get this, and oh, I like the use of color. You just say random crap, kind of like social justice, hoping Mm -hmm. that people will like... Bravo, great taste in art. This one's $10 million. Or believe they're not smart enough to know what it is you're talking about. Yeah, it's totally, it is the emperor's new clothes. That's what the modern art world is. All right. That said, I wish I could find the article in in my, uh, I can't find the article right now, but it doesn't matter. That said, I also, you know my answer to almost everything is like, the government caused this problem, right? Which I get is kind of cliche. (laughs) <laughs> but I hold back on some things. I can't blame the government for everything, can I? <laughs> well, as it turns out, you know why we have Jackson Pollock, piece of shit? Is it the government? The CIA! <laughs> Boom! The CIA admitted, there's an article that came out, the CIA admitted that they supported modern abstract art to fight the Soviets to show that they were worried. The Soviets had this whole thing about how the United States wasn't creative and we were boring and the Soviets had boring art. And the CIA decided we needed to show how out of the box we were and uh, how we could create crazy art. (laughs) And so they fucking funded modern art. They caused this. You, you elite, you people, I know people who spent at least hundreds of thousands of dollars. They may have spent millions of dollars. I don't know how deep their purses are on utter piles of shit that are hanging on their wall. And you know why you did? You got played by the CIA, you idiots. The entire art community got played by the CIA. You are so stupid. It's hilarious to me. It's hilarious to me. So honestly, I'm now like a new level conspiracy theorist. Literally, someone could say, I, I believe peanut butter and jelly is a government. Th-. I'll be like, yeah, probably. 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 probably it's probably the CIA. I, like, I, now I don't know what to believe. The CIA funded modern art. I had stayed away from accusing the government of having anything to do with modern art other than like, you know, government grants and that kind of stuff, which we all know. <laughs> uh, but no. The okay. CIA. Can the CIA explain, brought you modern art. I just. Can you explain again their, um, their reasoning behind why they funded it? 
Uh, yeah, sorry. I was in a little bit of a heated moment. Yeah. I, I really <laughs> hate that art. And, uh, and I think it's done, actually, talking about philosophy, I think it's done a lot of philosophical damage to our psyche to have um, art like that being paraded yeah. around and and, yeah. and having people being told you have to say the emperor has the, the emperor has clothes the emperor's clothes are beautiful Jackson Pollock's paintings are gorgeous you're expected to say that you study it in college it's done a lot of damage to our psychology oh I, know it I sounds agree like art, but art is important no no it's psychological harm to make people to uh, to force people to speak lies even if the people choose to speak the lies because of social pressure again not to belabor the point but that's why a lot of the um the lies that come out of sjw ideology i really abhor seeing people repeat so silence is violence that's a lie and it does psychological harm every time people repeat those lies put them on signs um internalize those lies it, it 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 damages a people, right? I think Alexander Solzhenitsyn would agree with that. I, I agree, and 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 actually, I would say in many cases, and I would argue modern art is one of them. In many cases, people believe those lies themselves. They're not just saying it out of social pressure. They go out of their way to convince themselves. They they go to courses in art appreciation, and they try and get like someone to have some convoluted rationale for why this yes. is good. And they That's really what, try and lash onto it, and and you know we all exactly we all know it's bullcrap. But that's exactly what happens with ideology, by the way. Whether it's postmodern art or postmodern belief system, like SJW belief system, people go out of their way. I went out of my way to try and intellectualize it and make it make sense because it doesn't make sense. And you really have to do the, the phrase mental gymnastics there. You really have to do a lot of gymnastics to try and make it make sense. Yes. But it doesn't, and you're you're exactly right. And I, I love this rant because even when I was in SJW, I used to go to museums and I would look at postmodern art, and I was like, this is crap. Yes. But I felt like something was wrong with me. They make you feel like just like with my well, I just don't understand it. I right. need I need I need right. To get there must some be art something wrong with you yeah. because the rest of the world thinks the emperor's clothes are beautiful. Right. So I have a friend. Just as an anecdote, I have a friend who. Um, she she went she dropped out of art school because she's actually talented. We started talking about this recently. She's really talented. She she um, really likes the Renaissance uh, she uh, style of art. She does a lot of oil based paintings. Um, she has real talent, and she was being made to feel the the same way I felt when I went to an art museum and I was like I guess I don't understand it. She felt that way in art school. She was being made to feel like she didn't get it. She wasn't talented because she could actually paint. Right. And I, and I have a couple artists, yes. professional artists who sell large. In fact, one of them, um, there was an image uh, recently. They took a picture of the astronauts walking in SpaceX on their way to the thing. And the, one of his pieces of art was it was a space themed piece of art was on the wall. So Elon Musk, I guess, bought it and put it up at SpaceX. But um, yeah, both of them, both both of those friends that make their living selling art, uh, they didn't go to art school. They had to go find they had to learn. They were actually telling me a lot of the a lot of the um, classical art theory has been lost. It's not even taught in school anymore. No, like, well, they they're attacking it. Yeah, full throatedly um, attacking it and saying it's white supremacist and blah blah blah. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm interrupting you. No, but. no, no. But um, yeah. Uh, by the way, to answer your, I was supposed to answer your other question and clarify the CIA's role. Apparently, the Soviet Union. Um, had, I guess, somewhat uh, restrictive rules about art, which, not surprising. 
I guess. Uh, I'm not an expert on the Soviet Union or the art of the Soviet era, but apparently they had some kind of boundaries, we'll say, uh, that were implemented with respect to their art. But they were simultaneously making an argument that the capitalists had no creativity and that crew trade creativity was unleashed through the, the spirit of the communist people. And like, that's, that's where this creativity came from. And so they were criticizing American art, Western capitalist art, as uh, blasé and thick, uninspired and couldn't be creative. So the CIA felt like uh, splotches of crap on canvas is very creative. <laughs> like, why don't we demonstrate, we'll fund this whole thing to show how out of the box we are and creative and like people will, will see that it's not the capitalists who are stodgy and boring. Look how fun. <laughs> Look how fun. This is so weird. Wait, so they're fighting prop art, propaganda, because there was a lot of propaganda yeah. art from the Soviet Russia. Yeah. They're fighting propaganda art with propaganda art. Yes, yes. Except for our propaganda art was actually undermining our philosophy the entire time. Yeah. Because the CIA is retarded. Um, so Dave, Dave in Lubbock says, is Nickelback modern art? Because I hate that a lot. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Nickelback is. Ah, uh, they are. Um, Taxterra, let's go through a few things. Taxterra uh, says preach. She, she throws in two bucks. Thank you, Taxterra. Um, uh, Wombat, Wombat of Doom says, uh, Carter Modern Art Rant Donation. You the man dog. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Wombat. A man dog. That sounds like something that would be painted in modern art. Um, let's see. Daniel Keene. Daniel Keene is saving me from my swearing. Uh, this is, he gives me five bucks for my Carter swear jar fund. I'm sorry for the swearing. <laughs> I try not. I really, I don't want to swear too much because I do want people to, in general, be able to listen with kids around. Um, sometimes we talk about subject matter that just can't be sanitized. But, um, but uh, Keith the Hat Guy, Keith, I, I love you for this because we just, we had a conversation on the phone the other day about, uh, you know how I was saying if social justice were about justice, it would be just be called justice? Yeah. Well, Keith donates two bucks and he says, if modern art was real, it would be called art. <laughs> that is correct, Keith. It would be called art. <laughs> yes, that is absolutely correct. <laughs> Keith the hat guy nails that one. Um, and let's see, hold on. There's one, I think there's at least one more. I think there's one more. Julianne sent three bucks and I can't find it. But she doesn't have a message. She just sent three bucks. <clears throat> uh, but thank you, Julianne, for your three bucks. If I can find it in my scrolly thing here, I will put it up on the screen. I so yeah I know it was it was quite a rant Carrie but um, no but I appreciate it I totally agree with you of and... all things really like even even art uh, oh wait here well this is a great example of how you know um, I've been arguing with some people on my wall recently about um, the narrative about that they're currently pushing that there's an epidemic of unarmed black men being killed by police or that uh, you're more likely to be killed by police if you're black than if you're white. Um, there are some real flaws with that narrative, and there's a lot of studies that contradict that narrative, including the Harvard one, um, and even some that have been <clears throat> written about recently in the Wall Street Journal and NPR. And it's funny because when you show people statistics and facts that contradict the narrative, like we know, 
people are more likely, no matter what the narrative is, it doesn't matter if you're on the right or the left, human nature is to cling to your narrative first and to disregard the facts. That's that's more common than, than it's not. And so in having these discussions, um, one of my friends was like, you can't tell me this isn't true. I've seen the video of George Floyd. I've seen the video of Michael Brown. And I was like, I took a statistics class. I said, exactly, exactly. (laughs) You've seen those two videos. The question we should be asking is why have you seen those two videos? Why haven't you seen videos that reflect the statistics in these studies? Why are you being shown on repeat cherry picked videos that build one story and you should be asking yourself that if you're a critical person, why am I being pushed this narrative? Um, and so in, in anyway, in having those conversations, you know, I was saying it, it's about the emperor has no clothes thing that you're talking about. You're being sold a story when you're presented with studies or statistics or facts that should make you question that story, whether or not you, in the end, reject it or not, it should at least make you look into it and question it, and make you read more and make you read the studies, right? right. Absolutely. If, if you instead react emo- defensively, immediately, emotionally, and outright reject the studies and the statistics without looking into them, um, you're in effect, you, you've, you've been, you're, you've someone who've become, you've become conditioned to just automatically saying <clears throat> the emperor looks lovely today, although the emperor is naked. <laughs> right. And so, and if you doubt, if you doubt the power of propaganda, if you doubt the power of collective conditioning and social conditioning to make you speak things that are not true or to make you believe narratives that may not be true, um, take the politics out of it and look at modern art. Like, that's why I like your rant. Look at modern art. Look at people who, who like myself, who were socially conditioned to believe well, I guess I'm just not getting it, and my opinion is wrong, and this is this is all you know really talented work here. You know, I remember seeing a modern art, postmodern art exhibit with she had literally just taken teddy bears and pulled the stuffing out and had it on a pedestal. Right. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, there's been examples of people. There was that one example of a museum a few years ago where uh, someone mistakenly left their glasses on the windowsill, and uh, somebody thought it was they thought it was art. Like people like yeah. It, it, it turned into like a thing. There was another one where the, there was another example where a janitor mistakenly threw a piece of art away because um, he thought it was trash <laughs> that was left on the side. <laughs> um, if your janitor can't tell, it, then it's not art. That should be a rule. Um, that should be a rule. So, uh, yeah, by the way, thank you to Kelly Day. Kelly, uh, Kelly just gave us a super chat and she says, uh, great rants, great humor. Thanks, guys. Uh, thank you, Kelly. Um, Carrie, you know, uh, art... Can I tell an art story? I don't. I yeah. feel like Grandpa just telling stories today. Um, I'm gonna tell an art story. Are you fragile though enough to, for me to tell you the you you, you oh. Oh, I know I'm you're fine. a woman. Can I tell you an art story, or will it hurt? Please, please tell me a story. <laughs> I want to see. Um, we should do Carter's story hour where you're in a rocking chair. Uh, can I have a pipe? <laughs> and a pipe. And some suspenders. Yeah, <laughs> and that sound, that sound when yeah. you lean back. Um, so, act, there, I believe there are some people who actually viscerally like some of the uh, bad art. And uh, the reason for that is uh, I think art, um, your emotional reactions to art, I think your emotional reaction to everything 
is is kind of this like instantaneous summation of how that thing reflects your values, not necessarily your consciously held values, but like your your deepest belief about the universe, right? And so if that thing is uh, uh, challenges it or is contrary to it, it then it, then it's discordant. Uh, you 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 react kind of negatively, and if it affirms and affirms it, you react kind of positively. And the the example the the kind of silly Godwin's law example that I give all the time is like, well, you know, there are people that uh, in Nazi Germany, uh, if you were a rational person and you heard Hitler speak, uh, you wouldn't have to think about his words. You would be hearing him speak and viscerally be angry and pissed off about what he was saying and outraged. But if you were uh, an ardent Nazi who had really devoted yourself to Nazism and you heard him speak, you might feel pride and admiration, as I'm sure many people did. Um, and that's not a choice that, that's a, that's a feeling and it's driven by previous choices you've made, uh, partly, but it's not something you control in the moment. It just happens in the moment. Um, and of course, if you change your belief system, you may then later go hear a speech and, uh, and then be outraged once you realize the, the fallacy. And the reason I'm bringing this up is <clears throat> before, um, when I, when I was, I will, I'll say, a confused Christian. Oh, I was on the road of like Christianity, but kind of starting to question and not really sure what was going on. And, that, and, I, and I had a childhood that had some crazy trauma in it as well. Um, I was living in, uh, I was living in New Jersey and I know, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, former me, never moved to New Jersey. Uh, and Keith, Keith uh, in, in chat was there. And I used to go to, uh, across the river, to the Philadelphia Museum of Art. And I used to love to go. I think it was free on Sundays. I don't know if it still is. I used to go look at the art. And I used to love, I had specific paintings that I loved and specific sections. And it had been a while since I went. Uh, and I was doing this big transition. And I transitioned into, uh, uh, became an atheist. I became much more... Uh, focused on reason. Like I, I kind of became a pseudo objectivist for, for, I was an objectivist for a while, but I kind of had made that transition. And it had been probably a year since then that I had been to the museum. And I went back to look at some of my favorite things. And I remember having a very depressed feeling that suddenly I didn't like some of the art that I had liked in the past. Wow. And stuff that I was like longing to see, I, I ran up to see it and went, ah, oh. I don't really like it anymore. Um, and that was a, an eye-opening experience for me. And my taste in art shifted, and it has continued to shift. And, you know, uh, I think part of there's self-acceptance that changes your, your view of art, and there's belief systems that change your view of art. But mm -hmm. um, I, you know, there are people who actually like Jackson Pollock. Uh, I just think that's probably a sign of maybe something not super healthy in their psychology. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah. not everyone has super healthy psychology. Like I like a lot of dark humor and dark art and stuff. And so, uh, probably something dark about my psychology that, that, that resonates with me. Right. Um, but that was my I, art story. I just yeah. found it fascinating because, uh, I've never heard anyone describe something like that happening before, but it fits with my understanding of, or at my view of how emotions work generally. Um, no, I get it. It, um, it's also... I, I I like or have liked in my life a lot of dark art. 
um, one of the artists I collected art from every year when I would go to Comic-Con, I would go visit her booth and I would get, I think it was called dark arts parlor. And I would get another painting from her. And some of there's one on my wall here. Some of it's really creepy. <coughs> and I'm at a point now where it doesn't have the same emotional uh, pull that it used to. And, and you're helping me understand why it's maybe because I've changed or I'm changing to such a degree and maybe it represents something unhealthy in my psyche from childhood or whatever that um, if, if that part of me is healing, then maybe that art is less attractive. I think so. And especially you, cause you're on this uh, journey, right? You're in the middle of like, not in the middle, mm -hmm. you're, you've transitioned, but like you were social justice -y and now you're Christian and you're kind of moving in that direction. And I wouldn't be surprised if your, uh, your subconscious, and your emotions kind of caught up with that eventually. And like a lot of things like that changed, started to change. You know, the most recent piece of art I bought, I bought a um, Hieronymus Bosch triptych. Oh, um, that, was it the one you were showing? Yes. Us, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, the, um, it, it, because it there's so much happening in that painting. It floored me. I don't have to revisit it. We have we did a whole episode on it because I was obsessed yeah, with yeah. it, and I view it as a, I see it and I view it as a warning. I view it as a warning. Uh, anyway. Yeah. No. By the way, New Jersey's getting a lot of uh, hate in chat. I think uh, it's deserved. Um, <laughs> Kristen K says my husband is from Camden. I were we were working in Camden actually. Uh, and Keith the Hack Guy can correct me, but didn't they have to shut down the freeway on Hell Night a couple times because of Crossfire? Camden's the city that burns itself down, uh, which I guess Camden's the city that burned itself down before it was cool. Let's put it that way. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Some, a, few, <laughs> a few people are dissing, dissing New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey sucks. I'm sorry if you're from New Jersey. But uh, Keith left <laughs> for a reason. As soon as he could um, he did. So before we wrap up, and I think we should wrap up soon. Okay. okay. What do you think? Okay. We could. I, uh, I, I still have another annoying. What? Problem. No, no. <laughs> say your thing. Maybe I'll, I'll, yeah. I got an, oh. I got, I was given an email from a school, which really bothers me. Oh, read it. Read it. Well, okay. So. We're fighting this at like, you know, we're talking about how the police are indoctrinated or not indoctrinated, like infiltrated with social justice and like towns right. are, and this is all becoming a thing. But this all starts, this starts in uh, preschool, elementary school, preschool. Um, I did have someone, one of our listeners uh, shared a, uh, actually an internal email from the police, which I was going to go over some of it, but I don't, I don't have to. Um, but it's a police department in Minneapolis going woke. Right, telling you to re like here's some re here's some recommended readings, social justice this, social justice that, like it's that kind of crap. Um, he actually got in trouble. He's he's a sheriff's deputy. He got in trouble for uh, doing a podcast, or like bro doing a broadcast, not in uniform. Didn't mention his job, but you know, it was one of those kind of you're a wrong thinker and we see you, but we can't actually uh, legally hold it against you kind of things. Um, I don't have to go through all of that, although um, I'm going to kind of keep track of his story. And if, if there's developments, I will tell you guys about it. But he's a listener. Shout out to him. He wants to remain anonymous, so I'm not going to say his name. But uh, even worse than it being in police departments is, is it's in schools. And 
I'm going to read an email that I got from, I'm going to, I renamed the school Springfield in honor of Bart Simpson um, so that I could keep it anonymous. I don't want to get the parent in trouble here or whatever for this, this email, but this is a private school. Um, it does uh, like early, early preschool, like practically diaper. I don't think they do diapers, but like almost like early, early kids up through like, I don't know, fifth, fifth grade, something like that. Um, and, uh, they're a private Montessori school. And so, um, they've been bad, but not, not horrible. So let's, let's read this letter that just came out. Dear Springfield community, what has been laid bare before our very eyes this past week has been the sober and glaring reality of the state of our country and our world. It is impossible to look away. And this has felt heartbreaking and at times unbearable. Folks of the global majority and black and indigenous Americans have always known this truth. Okay, By the way, stop. they capitalized global majority. I don't know what that is. Stop. They, they mean that, they mean that um, people who are not white make up the global majority. Oh, okay. um, but, but what they're saying is a lie. That is a lie. You're starting it with a lie. Anyone who's not white has always known what. You're saying anyone who's not white all have the same opinion, the same philosophy, the same beliefs. Wrong. Okay, oh, yeah, continue. yeah. Listen to the truth that they've always known. Folks of the global majority and black and indigenous Americans have always known this truth, that racism permeates all of our systems and institutions and has an impact on every aspect of their lives, including their safety. Wow. This is a lie. And we, wow. we talked about, we talked about, hey, just one example, Bevelin earlier, who disagrees with this. There's countless examples. These people are racists. They want to put one. They want to put their ideology in the mouth of everyone who's not white and say, and say that they all believe this and they all speak this and that is not true. This is not based in truth. It really bothers me. Yeah, it's it's not. Um, okay. So they say that uh, Springfield Elementary stands in solidarity with all of our black colleagues, families, and community. We acknowledge the insidious and systemic racism that exists in our country and our institutions, and that it, sorry, that it is present by design. It's present by design, and thus needs to be deliberately disrupted and dismantled. So, so they've just said we need to dismantle all of our institutions, just to be clear. Uh, we also humbly acknowledge that at Springfield Elementary, this commitment is long overdue, that up until now we have not done enough and that we need to do better. We want to affirm the following. Springfield upholds that Black Lives Matter. Springfield commits to an anti-bias, anti-racist, which they are acronyming ABAR, application of Montessori education. FUBAR. Yeah, it's a FUBAR is what it is. <laughs> Springfield is working to dismantle policies and practices that uphold white privilege. In the spirit of action and not just words, we are taking the following steps. The Springfield leadership team, together with the staffing community, will continue to build out our school's ABAR curriculum. <laughs> I can't believe they, use, they have the gall to use the word anti-racist which we started to implement with students this past year. Together, we will create an anti-biased, anti-racist statement, which will live alongside Springfield's updated vision, mission, and values. Our vision, mission, refresh committee will continue its work facilitated by our consultant, local professional social justice warrior, who, by the way, <laughs> I, looked up, I looked up local professional social justice warrior. And hold on, let me, I'm gonna go to her website. 
I'm not going to say her name uh, because she actually lists this project on her website and it will reveal. Um, but this person uh, is everything that you would expect <sighs> from a local social justice warrior. Uh, she, Wait. a knowledgeable and experienced leader, strategist, and thinking partner with an intersectional meets an interdisciplinary approach to the work. Uh, basically an expert in, she's passionate about uh, ad- activating the development of and implementation of methodologies and pedagogies that disrupt the status quo and specifically white dominant culture practices that work home and in everyday life. And okay, the what do they mean? Let me interrupt. They use this word salad. This is like the modern art thing. It totally they is. To, it's modern they, art for English. Yeah, it's postmodern art. It's, they try to they try to make normies think that the normies just aren't smart enough to understand this. This woman's job is she's a bureaucrat. She's an SJW ideologue who is there to indoctrinate your children into what amounts to a cult. Yes. And it, built into everything they're talking about, there there are. Um, there are assumptions that have never been proven. You know, they talk about blah, 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 da, 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 white privilege. They're not there to tell you we're going to learn about whether white privilege is a thing or not. They're, they're assuming that it is a fact. They take all these assumptions, these, presumption, these presumptions, and they move forward with this crap as if it, as if it is factual. And they build, they build like the house of cards. They build um, flawed flawed tenants on top of flawed tenants on top of flawed tenants. And they never look at the, they never examine them and they, they expect you to take all of this as gospel. Yep. Yep. This woman could be, if this it's, it's like having a person there to indoctrinate your children into flat earth. Uh, It's the same. Honestly, your comparison to modern art is, is great. It's the same thing. It's like, don't you see the erudition in my word salad? No, I don't. I see words. I see multi-syllabic words that don't mean anything except for I'm a racist. Um, yeah. Our little goal ragamuffin, is to recommit. Sorry, go ahead. Wait, little ragamuffin points out that it's jargon. Yes. And if you guys remember in the last episode when I read the excerpt that little ragamuffin sent me from the screw tape letters, what does it talk about? Distract them with jargon, right. not argumentation. She calls it emotional jargon, which I think is is good. Um, but it's like pseudo intellectual. A jargon as well. Yeah. Our goal is to recommit to the work of updating our school's vision and mission started in the spring, but with its new lens has been revealed to us through this pandemic and our country's rising up to say no more systemic racism. Springfield will continue to offer affinity groups for parents and family members at Springfield to provide support, connection, and affirmation to people whose identities have been marginalized. Springfield will continue. By the way, most of the kids at this school are white and Asian um, by far. <laughs> Uh, Springfield will continue to offer a decentering whiteness group for parents and family members to work together to create an international or sorry, an intentional community that addresses the issues of race, identity and privilege so that they might better support our students to grow up to be anti-racist adults. Springfield will work to expand and build a more diverse uh, and inclusive Springfield board administrative team and Springfield will include the die initiative uh, diversity equity and inclusion initiatives in our strategic planning process i just want to read the um blah 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 global majority there's more global majority crap i just want to read the last sentence montessori education gives us something tangible as a place to start in our mission of contributing to dismantling of white supremacy in our country and our world 
here's why I want to read this. This is not some school in the Bay Area that you don't have to worry about. Um, I've talked to teachers in the past couple of years about this, and I've said your school is has this disease. It's infected. Oh, it's not that bad. Well, you can get around. It's not that bad. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? It's happening now with this these protests. They're making it explicit. It has been that bad this whole time. Now it's explicit. Now you see. Quit. Stop working there. Do not work for these places. Do not send your children to these places. Your children would be better if you locked them in a cage for eight hours a day and gave them some crackers. All right? You don't need to send your kids to these kind of schools. Stop. Stop. There's no excuse. I don't want to hear, I I have to pay the bills. Someone has to work. That's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. Don't pay the bills. Get a smaller house. Reduce your lifestyle expenses. I, that doesn't matter. Wait tables. It doesn't matter. Do not participate in this kind of an education system. Do not. Because you are training the enemy that three decades from now will make AOC look like she's right wing. That's what you're, you're doing. What you're doing is you're giving your children to ideological enemies to be indoctrinated and turned against you. I mentioned this on the last podcast, but my inbox is full of messages on all platforms. People are messaging me um, examples of their own children or children of friends turning against their parents and doing so in some cases publicly on social media platforms. They're all being activated now to, like you said, like sleeper cells that are being turned on. Now's the time to turn on your family, right? To, to try and bring your family over by threat of, uh, of of cutting them off like cults do. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you love your kids, which hopefully you do, this is poison. You wouldn't feed them arsenic. You wouldn't, like, would you cripple them? Would you disable? Would you, like, beat their hands with a hammer every day so that they were, like, would you bind their feet? I would hope not. You're binding their brain. That's what this is doing. You're binding their brain, which is, by the way, way more important than their feet. Yeah. Don't oh, do that this. Makes, it Don't makes you want to cry. It makes you want to cry. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, and it will take, Ninja Kitty says, it'll take generations to fix this mess. Look, it took us generations to get here. This isn't like, this did not, a lot of people are like, where's all this coming from, blah, blah, blah. This didn't spring up overnight, people. No, no, I was indoctrinated 20 years ago. Yeah, this took generations, generations and generations have gone through this. This has gone this way. This has taken a long, long time, and it's going to take a long time to undo, a long time. But what doesn't take a long time is for you to step out right now. Just step out of it. Don't be involved in it. Um, you know, anyway, Keith, the hack guy, uh, says I was right about, uh, mischief night, which is the night before Halloween. Uh, they lit a refrigerator on fire and dropped it on cops from a four story rooftop. Teen fun in Camden. Yeah. See, Camden was lit. Camden was woke before you. There you go. That's Camden for you. Arwen says my youngest just graduated uh, from high school now I have to worry about her in college um, yeah if you guys haven't seen it uh, you should watch the interview Carter and I got to do um, about the 1619 project with Professor William Allen mm, and yeah. one of my favorite parts of that interview he I just loved the whole thing he was great he was one of those kind of interview guests where you could just talk forever but he um, 
he talked about the questions that he asked of his children's prospective colleges. And now go watch that. If, if you've got kids who are approaching college age, it might give you an idea of what you should be looking for for them. Um, but yeah, I, I feel for you. I feel for you. I, I don't know what I would do if I had kids because I mean, if, if I had had kids a while back, I mean, I, I would have been like these parents who are indoctrinating their children. I would have been, I would have already done a lot of evil and harm by, by, I know I would have indoctrinated them in this belief system or done it to the best of my ability. And now with my changing um, perspective on what that ideology is, trying to undo all of that and trying to take them out of the public schools and undo all of the harm that I allowed to come to them ideologically. Like I, I would, I, I, I'm not sure how to handle that. And I really feel for people, but like Carter says, if you're just now, if you can make the decision now, if, if I had kids tomorrow, I, there's no way they would go to public school. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, it's, you look out and you see cities burning and, looting and it's very easy to, uh, to to condemn that behavior right it's very easy to look and say oh that's violent and horrible and we shouldn't have a society with like that um that's nothing you know what's you know what's bad mutilating a child's ability to reason like that's what's that's what's vile i'll take a hundred looters for one kid Save a kid. Give me a hundred looters. I don't care. Kids, you corrupt someone like that, you destroy their ability to reason. Um, it, that damage is just, I don't want to say it's irreversible, but it's a lifetime of, a lifetime of bad decisions um, and just destroy, it destroys them. They're, your primary means of survival is your functioning rational brain. You're taking that away from them. And it's not, it's not nothing. It's not like, oh, well, I'll just ignore, they'll just ignore that part. They'll get a little bit of that, but they'll learn math. Math is not hard. <laughs> you don't need schools to teach math and reading. And basically, if you can type and read and do some, actually, type and read, you can learn anything else. If you've got a computer and you, your kid can read and you can type, you can, like, everything is available online. You want to learn an actual subject, you can find it somewhere. If you don't know how to teach it, you can find it. But honestly, it's just not necessary. Uh, it's, it's not necessary, and it's, there is no amount of good that a school can do that overcomes that indoctrination. None. None. So Kara says in chat, I'm freshly out of college after four years of this. Without my boyfriend and my job, I would be deep in depression right now. Yeah, it takes a psychological toll on you. It, 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 you know, to withst even if you don't give in to the peer pressure and the the cultural climate around you, even if you maintain your, if you have a strong foundation and you know how to reason when you go in and you know how to think, even if you don't become indoctrinated like I do, like I did. <clears throat> you're going to come out of there with some psychological issues because you're, you're, you're in a community of people that are telling you that you're evil and you're wrong because you're not converting. You know, I, I can't even imagine. So I'm, by the way, very grateful to have you Kara. And I've, I like hearing from younger people who 
are just now go, like going through this and know that like uh, yarn freak in the chat. Yeah. She said 96. She says my first taste of SJW stuff was when I went to college in 1996 at a state school. I was a sheltered little country bumpkin. I was so frustrated and couldn't understand. I did one year. Yeah. <clears throat> 96 is when I went off to school too. And, and I fell right into it. You know, I became a, an avid disciple of it and uh, a really articulate mouthpiece for it. Well, I mean, and for someone was saying their kid's going to go to college soon, like, uh, for what? I, mean, I, I would really question, like, depend if they're going to go be a doctor, they've got to go to college. Like, there's certain things you got to go to college for. But if they don't know what they want to do or they're going to college and they're going to major in some humanities thing, I, why not just make them drink Drano now? Like, what are you doing? Why would you spend money to send them to do that? There's not you're not going to help them. You're not going to help them at all. Sending to college. Uh, it just, it's a, it's, it's a colossal, it's not a waste of money. It's a, it's a, you're buying the bullet that's going to kill your child. Like that's what you're doing. Uh, I don't, you know. I don't know. You and I probably have some differences of opinion on this, but I don't want to jump into them right now. I don't necessarily agree. I think it depends on a lot of different factors, but well, I, even I agree it depends on your major. I mean, if you're going to be a doctor, like, yeah. there's certain things you have to go to college for. But, like, um, I don't know. May, do we disagree on, on that? Would you go to college? Would you send someone to college for an English degree? Well, I think there are some things you can get through college that you can't get elsewhere. And I also think that there's something to be said for um, <clears throat> if your child has a good, strong foundation – I think they can learn like th this isn't just at college anymore. As we've seen, we talked about this whole video. This is the world now. So it's it like trying to shelter them from what they're going to come up against in the workplace. Anyway, this is everywhere now. So uh, it's, I actually, my, I don't know. I'm not trying to shelter them. It's, uh, it's different to be put in a situation in which you're all you're being taught is like that time should be used to, to learn how to fight against this stuff if you're going to go out into the world you, you need mm -hmm. to be armed to fight against this if there was an anti-college i would say go there um like if there's a college we should that was start like, an anti-college right like look we're going to teach you we're going to take professors like dr allen and instead of teaching you about the 1619 project we're going to teach you why the 1619 project is bullcrap and yeah. you're going to learn the true history and instead of intersectionality uh and maybe we will study, study Jacques Derrida, but we'll study him with a critical eye of here are the mistakes that he made. Here are the, the fallacies. This is why uh, this leads to destruction. Like, that's necessary. I just don't know if that's happening anywhere. Um, yeah. But anyway, we can debate about college another day. That, okay. was, all I, that was all I wanted to, to bring up. I wanted to bring up this, this school thing because it's super important and... Um, you want to fight the culture war? Don't send your kids to school. The end. You're 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 already a hero. If you're if you're homeschooling, you're a hero. You're done. You've already like your your net net is you've positively contributed to the world. <laughs> done. Because you're not putting it. You're not sending another little mindless automaton out into the world. That's very important. So, <sighs> Carrie, anything else? Are we done for the day? Should we call it a day? Man, I, we're wrapping it up on a sad note. I don't like it. I don't like it funny. at all. Oh, come on. I'm not. You're the straight man. I'm the fool. <laughs> <laughs> you're the comic. Uh, Hold on. Wait, someone just sent me a. Uh, 
Okay, wait, hold on. Uh, El Vaquero, El Vaquero just sent me um, a an image that's funny. It's a little comic. Okay. We can end on that. Let's How's end that? on this, and then I need to go do yeah, some. I gotta, I gotta work. get it here. Though. Hold on here. And you guys, if you want to jump in the, look, I, I haven't been in the Telegram chat recently. I've been doing a lot of, like I said, working on my garden and my house and stuff. And and then when I get in there, I've missed a thousand messages and I'm overwhelmed. I, I, I'll, I'll try to jump in a little more. But the chat is popping. If you, if you have Telegram, we have an unsafe space channel where we share the video links. And then we have an unsafe space chat where you can discuss with people like people who are in the chat today are in there. Um, yeah, and it's very active. It's good. By the way, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Eagle Flight Farm says thank you for all you both do. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, thank you very I'm much. I'm loving this audience, by the way. We're, we're hitting a point where there's like, because we were really small for a, a long time, but now you can go into uh, the Telegram chat and there's like almost always something going on and people sharing interesting stuff and talking. Yeah. About it. It's great. Um, so thank you. Um, Thank you, guys. Beverly says the positive note to go out on is that Carter is no longer in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> here, here, Beverly. Yes, that is correct. That is the positive note to go out on. I am going to choose a different positive note, though. Hold on here. Here is the image from El Vaquero. It's a I'm just reading for those of you who are not uh, watching but only listening. This is a teacher teaching you are evil. Then someone's reading the book that says evil. Test. What are you? Evil. <laughs> then someone giving a presentation, I am evil, and then uh, donning their, <laughs> it looks like Stormtrooper style apparel at the end saying we are evil. How's yeah. that funny, El Vaquero? I guess it's kind of funny. It's depressing also. Well, it's truth. It's it truth. Is truth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Timothy says, I'm so glad I found you guys. You can thank Mark S.J.W. Hughes for my presence. We love Mark S.J.W. Oh, Hughes. Even though he's a big SJW. <laughs> I know. Mark SJW Hughes is the worst. Mark Hughes is pretty cool, but they yeah. don't get along. They don't get along, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Timothy. Um, okay, we are signing off. You guys, if you haven't been a part of the book clubs in the past, don't be intimidated. You can always join us uh, and, and try your hand at it. We're reading Ordinary Men. We're doing the discussion on Sunday, June 28th. If you want to be in the live video discussion where we talk about the book on camera, send an email to speak at unsafespace.com and let Carter know that you want to be in that video discussion. Um, and if you don't, you can just be in the live chat like you are today. Yes. And uh, we hope to see you there. We have Unsafe Space merch if you want to visit us at unsafespace.com. And if you want to subscribe and help the show, which helps us to do things like uh, we just used some of the first money ever that you guys donated to get me a new laptop so I don't have as many tech problems. Woohoo! Uh, you can subscribe financially at uh, unsafe, uh, sorry, at subscribestar.com. And subscribestar.com has an unsafe space page. Yeah. Or you can go to unsafespace.com and it'll, it'll link yeah. you there. Um, yeah. Also, someone in chat, I don't remember who, uh, said that they had a uh, PhD in art and wanted to have a further discussion about modern art. Email me uh, and at speak at unsafespace.com. Let me know who you are, and I do want to have that discussion. So uh, I just forgot who it was that said that. So anyway, thanks, everyone. Have a good week, Carrie. As always. Thank you. Penny, the, un the Telegram channel is Unsafe Space Chat. If you can't find it, email us at Email us at speak at unsafespace.com and we'll get it back to you. Yeah, it's pretty easy to find, I think. But okay. All right, later. Cool. Thanks. Bye, guys.